Hebrews chapter 7. I'm going to be reading verses 23 through 25, but before I do, I just want to encourage you that if you are still wrestling a little with this idea of the law and its relationship to the new covenant and to believers and how Paul handled it, We don't know whether or not Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. Traditionally, historically, that is the traditional view, but the book does not really let us know who that is. But the book of Hebrews really lets you know very definitively that that old covenant uh, was wasting away, ready to be replaced. And the book of Hebrews helps us to understand... That that old covenant was shadows, but the new covenant is the what? What word could we use? If that's the shadows, is the old covenant, the new covenant is the, the real thing, the reality. And that is who we are in. Hebrews 7 verse 23, the former priest, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. But Jesus, on the other hand, because He continues forever, holds His priesthood permanently. Therefore, He is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through Him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You know, a lot of times when we think about prayer and we think about studying prayer, and we always usually think about prayer from our perspective. In other words, what things are there that I need to learn or I need to change or I need to improve in? And I thought tonight that we would just kind of set that avenue aside and really look at another person who is praying for us perfectly and permanently and forever. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. We're very, very self-focused when we read the Scripture. And we're always looking at, what have I done wrong? What am I doing right? How can I change? Are there any hindrances in my spiritual life? But just kind of take a step back and just look at Him and what He Himself is doing. And what we know, just first of all, here in verse 23 is that the Old Testament or the Old Covenant, that Mosaic Law, had many, many, many priests one after another through many, many years. And the reason for that is that they what? They died. That's why you just couldn't, Aaron is not still here today, as the high priest, but Aaron died and his son took his stead and his son died and his son took his stead. 
And that went on through many, many generations. Josephus, who is a Jewish historian, states in his records that from the time of Aaron to the destruction of the temple in 70 AD, there were 83 high priests. That's a lot of number of high priests. We're not talking about the priests that were under him, the priests that did multiple other uh, duties there within the temple. We're just talking about that high priest, that great high priest that was there under the Mosaic Law. There was 83 of them. And the reason why that there was 83 of them is because both the priest and its office and the duties that they were to perform got interrupted. And what interrupted it was a weakness that human beings have. And that is we die. We die. Now if our, if our ears were attuned and if we could see what the Holy Spirit was trying to communicate, is that in that secession of human, frail, weak high priest, the Holy Spirit was speaking to us of the necessity of only having one that never died had no weakness at all. When you look at all that and you think, okay, man's dying and here's another one and another generation, if your eyes are open and your ears are open, you say to yourself, I long for the day where there is no death. There is no secession that is going on like this. And so the difference is, verse 23, that those former priests existed in huge numbers because they couldn't continue. But in the New Covenant, under the New Covenant, verse 24, and we look at the high priest, the anointed high priest whose name is who? Is Jesus. When we look at that anointed high priest, he continues forever and holds his priesthood permanently. In other words, folks, <clears throat> there is no transfer of that office to any other person. Ever. One high priest, one and only high priest, no secession into that high priesthood nor is there a change in the duties of that high priest. Why is his high priesthood non-transferable? Because he never and will never what? He'll never die. And folks, when you think about this, you can think about this in very vague terms. Or you can sit back and think, there is a literal human being at the right hand of God 
Jesus who is executing His high priesthood duties on His people's behalf right now. He's doing that. And in an hour, He'll be doing that. And in a day, He'll be what? He'll be doing it. And 40 years from now, He'll still be doing it. And probably none of us here in this room will be alive after 100 years, but He'll still be He'll still be doing it. How long? Forever. Forever. That's amazing, isn't it? Because we are so used to the temporariness of everything. His high priesthood is not transferable. He will never die. He continues... He lives forever and He holds that office forever. There will be no one else or nothing else that will ever take that office. It's His office forever. And folks, if you go back to Hebrews chapter 4, which in my Bible is just a page back, and you look at the end of chapter 4 where He introduces the Jesus being our high priest as a topic, he says in verse 14, Therefore, since we have present tense, we have right now a great high priest who is passed through the heavens and his name is Jesus, the Son of God, will let us hold fast our confession. Why should we hold fast our confession? Verse 15. Because we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we, yet without sin. Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the what? throne of grace so that we may find receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need our great high priest has gone before us and i made this statement before no one goes to heaven without a high priest no one you have to have a high priest who stands before god on your behalf because we are finite sinful though redeemed, creatures in His sight. And folks, that means that whenever we have temptation come into our life, and temptation can be deceiving, meaning it can kind of grab us ignorantly, involuntarily, before we know it, we're in it, and we're sad we did it. Temptation can come to us slowly, It can come to us with a kind of show of a weak type of power, but the more we entertain it, the stronger it gets. The temptation can come to us violently where we feel like that we have no choice but to submit to it. But in light of all that temptation, our confidence is that there is one that is at the throne of God. His name has not changed. His office is non-transferable and He lives forever on our behalf. That's an amazing truth. 
Or what about your weaknesses? You have any weaknesses? We all have weaknesses. I listed a couple here. Romans 8 says we don't know how to pray. You ever knew you should pray, but you don't know what to pray? Like every day, right? Right? Folks, God always answers our prayers. Sometimes it's wait, it can be no. But I do believe that if the answer is no, it's because we didn't know how to pray the specific thing at that point. If we had prayed God's will at that point, would He have answered yes? Yes! If you pray His will, we know that He hears us, and we know if He hears us, He answers us. Right? But a lot of times, you just don't know what to ask. And so you kind of, you know, this is what we do. We'll say, well, you know, Lord, this, this, and this, if it be your will. Or sometimes you'll pray, Lord, this, now this is my desire. I don't really know what your righteous purposes are. I really don't know how to pray, but this is, this is how I would pray. For instance, when people get sick, we always pray for healing. We always pray for healing, don't we? In Luke, he speaks of this weakness, our lack of motivation to pray. We're to be praying without ceasing. Can any of us say that we have prayed without ceasing today? Don't think so. Sometimes we're just not motivated to pray. I mean, we prayed our five minutes in our morning devotions. Isn't that enough? And the disciples would ask the Lord for Him to teach them to pray. Teach them to pray. And then in connection with what I've already mentioned, we have this weakness. We lack the omniscience to pray knowledgeably. Christ is fully man and fully who? God. He has all knowledge. Folks, don't you think you could pray more accurately if you had all knowledge? Sometimes we just don't know. And sometimes we pray about a situation based on the knowledge we have, not understanding that there is volumes and volumes of knowledge that we don't know that would have changed the thing we prayed for. And then here's a weakness. Man really believes that there can be a priesthood among men that can stand before God for them. But folks, all men are under the what? We're all under the curse. This is one of the many fallacies of the Roman Catholic system. Have you ever noticed that all those priests die? Have you ever noticed the Pope will die? It is weak, it is infirmed, and in this particular case, the whole system is inerrant, is, is errant, and apostasy.
We need a great high priest. And that one is Jesus Christ. And folks, He is unchangeable. His office is non-transferable. And so look at what it says, verse 25. Therefore, because He continues forever, because He holds His priesthood permanently, therefore, He has the ability. Now folks, let's just pause right there. It's because He lives forever, and because He holds the priesthood permanently, He has the ability to do something. What is this ability? It is to save how long? Forever those who draw near to God through Him. Everybody see that? Folks, for you and I to have the ability to save people, ourselves, we would have to have an endless life, an unchangeable office, duties that would not be transferred away from us. And folks, you and I know no human being could ever have that. He has the ability to save people who draw near to God through Him. And folks, basically what that means is is that our High Priest, Jesus Christ, has the ability to save us fully and completely for all time. Worlds without end. Amen and amen. He and He alone can save us to a full completeness to stand before Him and our God. (coughs) And folks, here's the amazing thing on how He does it. Did He die for us? Was He buried for us? Was He resurrected? But it doesn't stop there for us to be saved. He has to always make intercession for us. Do you see that? Look at the text. Do you see that in the text? He has the ability to save forever those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives and He's carrying out this duty. What is it? Yeah, He's praying for us. He is praying for us. He lives forever performing the office of our great high priest for all of His people and He has the ability to save them because He is forever in that office and He ever lives and is not transferable and He's holding that office and performing that office duty And the major duty that he's doing is he is making intercession for you. Aren't you glad he's praying for you right now? Right now. 
He's praying for you. How about tomorrow? How about earlier today? How about an hour from now? How about when you rest? Anybody going to sleep tonight? Lord willing, right? He's interceding for you. He will be interceding for you forever. And here's a wonderful thing, folks. Since He's fully God and fully man, He's not going to get tired of this. How would you like to intercede for all believers throughout all history forever? Anybody just get tired for interceding for one major item a week? (laughs) But He's praying for us individually. He's praying for His church individually in geographical areas. He's praying for all the members of that body that have not yet met together, but we will one day. He is interceding and He always prays according to the will of God. Therefore, all His answers are what? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. To the glory of God. We have nothing in the Bible that tells us that any other spiritual being intercedes for you. I have nothing in my Bible that says that Mary's interceding for you. Or your grandmother. Or some believer in your family that's gone on before. I have nothing in my Bible that tells me any angelic being is praying for you. But I do have in my Bible what? This one man who has the office of a priesthood forever and he lives forever unchangeable, I do have this statement. He ever lives to make intercession for you. That is a great love beyond all loves. Folks, isn't it a great thing when you give a prayer request here and you say pray for so and so? Isn't it a blessing when you hear somebody pray for it? But I'm going to let you in on a little secret. They probably won't pray for it again. (laughs) In other words, unless they just really have an intimate connection into your particular prayer request, they probably won't pray for it again, and they definitely won't be ever living to pray for it. And they certainly won't be praying for it when they're sleeping. But he doesn't sleep. And he doesn't slumber, and he doesn't forget, and he always prays in the will of God. And you can be assured, if you never, never, ever get to your own individual prayer chain, and nobody ever knows about your need but him, he ever lives to make intercession for you. I'm sorry, but I can't trust you to do that for me. And you can't trust any pastor to do that for you. We just execute a priesthood for one another in our church that is precious and is intimate 
and is fantastic for us to pray for one another. But His intercession goes far above that intimacy and far above all that we could ask or think. Our complete salvation rests on this one man. If you look at verse 27, on this one man offering Himself once for all. Our salvation rests on Him offering Himself once for all and it rests on Him taking the office of high priest. And it rests on Him having that office forever. And it rests on His ability to save us fully and completely. And it rests on Him ever living in that office praying on your behalf. When we look at our salvation, it is by grace are we saved through faith. That not of ourselves, it is a what? It's a gift of God. And sometimes we say this to people, look, God's offering you this great salvation full and free. And that would not be wrong to say, but folks, it's not free. God sent His only begotten Son and fully qualified Him to be our offering, to be our obedience, righteousness, to be raised to hold the office of high priesthood, to carry out all the duties of that high priesthood, and to pray for us so that we might stand before Him in holiness and blamelessness forever. That's not free, right? That's a lot of work. But it's a gift to us. And folks, that ought to encourage us to pray tonight. If He's praying for us, then we need to learn to execute not our high priesthoodness, but our office of being a kingdom of priests, one to another in our prayers. So let's go to